Hi everyone, welcome back to Pussy Power. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the third and the fourth wave of feminism, and these are going to be the waves that we can um, relate to more and that we'll have a better general understanding about as well. So tune in if you want to learn some more about some feminism. So the third wave of feminism began in the 1990s, and one of the main ideas that women wanted to achieve was... Um, the idea that they're allowed to express themselves by dressing sexually while still expecting and deserving respect. Um, And it was kind of taking back the image that the second wave feminists viewed as male oppression and why they did the protest against the Miss America pageant. There's a really popular quote by um, Pink Floor that states, it's possible to have a push-up bra and a brain at the same time. And I think this quote made way in the feminist community because it's a really simple way to see that you can still be a woman and you can still be smart. And when you wear something like a push-up bra or some short shorts, we're not doing it to be a a hoe or a bitch. And just for people to view us, we we just wanted to, like, we wear things to be confident. We don't wear things for other people's opinions and mindsets of them we just wear things to make us feel confident because the more confident that we are like the better that we can be as people since we're on the topic of um women taking back things and making them empowering we actually want to discuss this netflix series that we found that is called the history of swear words and it's like a it's like a series that's also funny but informational at the same time and they have some episodes on the word bitch and the word pussy but we just want to share with you guys a little quote that um that is from one of the episodes on the word bitch my name is Ray miller young and i'm a professor of feminist studies at uc santa barbara and my specialty is sexuality and race bitches used to really disempower women when you say someone's a bitch you're trying to take their power away and their voice away you're trying to make them shut up women hate to be called bitch because it is just so dismissive and it's actually punishing us for speaking up for ourselves if a woman is addressed as a bitch that's obviously defamatory when addressed to a male you're a filthy bitch and i bust your balls it is defaming that male You are bad, but also the way that you're bad is in a way that is female-like. So it's insulting the male, and it's insulting women in general, because to be female is to be bad. So basically, it's a shotgun word. It hits everyone. I thought the most interesting part of that quote was when he talked about how, um, like, if a man is called a bitch that it's in it's insulting to them because they're being like described as acting in like a womanly way and it just shows how like society views women as like being lower than men or just not equal yeah i agree with that i feel like if anybody i know i have has gone into an argument with a man and you call them like a bitch or just anything that like makes them feel weaker they get so triggered like so mad but when it comes to a girl like if I was like you're being such a bitch right now it could honestly like end the conversation and we could all just like laugh at the end of the day because that's funny I guess but like when it comes to a boy they still see that word as being so like so bad and just so like 
degrading, I guess. And, like, women are just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's my bitch. I'm a bitch. We're all just bitches, you know? There's a call to reclaim bitch among feminist rap in the mid-90s. That sort of pushes it forward. Earliest memory of bitch is, of course, Queen Latifah's UNITY. She has this really strong lyric that just says, who you calling a bitch? I'm like, yeah, I was so young, but I'm like, yeah, that ain't right. Since Queen Latifah through the present, we see the use of bitch evolve. I honestly like when someone who's angry with me calls me a bitch because it means I've stood up for myself. So good DNA test turns out I'm a hundred percent that bitch. Lizzo says she's a hundred percent that bitch. Because if she said she was a hundred percent a bitch, that would be a negative thing. Because being a bitch is bad, but being that bitch is good. This part of the episode shows how social media and music during this wave of feminism was one of the main forms of communication and how powerful it still is today in reclaiming the words that used to be or still can be considered derogatory depending on the context. One of the organizations created during this time period was LEAF, which stands for the Women's Legal Education and Action Fund, which focused on topics like sexual liberation, reclaiming derogatory words, and ending violence against women. One of the women who had a major influence on defining the goals for the third wave of feminism was Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term intersectionality to describe the ways in which different aspects of identity and oppression intersect and interact. Another important thinker in third wave feminism was Judith Butler, She introduced the idea of gender performativity or the idea that all gender is, is a performance. The reason those two women were important was because their two concepts also corresponded with the third wave's emphasis on fighting for justice on behalf of all people who experience gender discrimination. This includes cis women as well as trans, non-binary, two-spirited, and gender diverse. However, while many individuals believe that third wave feminism was more inclusive than other feminist waves, the movement was still focused mainly on white cis women, especially in North America. It has been criticized for its lack of central message, because as me and Madison stated earlier in a previous episode, we believe that feminism and the start of feminism and everything that feminists have done haven't just helped the female community, but also helped with racial discrimination and other types of sexual discrimination. This wave of feminism focusing more on trans and sexually diverse women shows the progress that feminists have made over the years um, in becoming more inclusive, and it also kind of led the way for the fourth wave of feminism, feminism and the idea of like pronoun usage and educating people on topics like that. This wave of feminism also kind of brought awareness to rape and sexual harassment and that kind of thing. It kind of opened up the door for stories to be told and women to realize that they're not the only ones who have experienced such encounters or even allowed women to realize that what happened to them or what is happening to them is not right and against their feelings or thoughts and that kind of thing. And as we move into the fourth wave, I feel like this this wave of, of feminists has really just picked up on that and just taken that as their main goal and main focus to push for um 
for justice for survivors and victims of sexual harassment. Some people consider the fourth wave of feminism to begin in 2006 because that's when um, a female activist, Sharana Burke, who is a black woman, was already supporting young women and speaking out about their own experience with sexual assault 10 years before the allegations against Weinstein became public knowledge. So in 2017, um, that's when the Me Too hashtag movement went viral after the New York Times published a report on the allegations against Harvey Weinstein. In that report, he was accused of having sexually abused over 80 women in the course of the past three decades. And this kind of um, led the way for other women to feel comfortable to come forward about things that have happened to them um, by people who are celebrities or in power. Ever since the Me Too movement became viral, um, there's been documentaries and allegations dropped on so many people with like big names it doesn't matter like what they do to get that big names um like all the background information bringing out on trump before and during his presidential election and even the epstein netflix documentary on netflix and um the gymnastics documentary about the u.s gymnastics team and how one of their doctors was sexually harassing all the girls i feel like this movement started um, not just like confidence within women, but acceptance of the community and the community bringing acknowledgement that these things do happen. Even people that have huge names do such horrible things and that no matter the name, people need to have justification for their actions. I feel like the Me Too topic also brought up a lot of um, incidences because it kind of brought attention to the topic of whether rape victims should be able to abort their child of their rapist and that kind of thing and then that moved on to whether or not women should even be allowed to have abortions and that kind of stuff and since then I feel like another huge goal of feminism and feminists is to break that barrier and have everyone know that women's bodies should be their choice and not a political topic and that um, whether or not they want to keep a fetus or not want to keep a fetus should be totally up to them and not whatever law is stated in the state that they live in. Going off of that, back in 2015, the hashtag Shout Your Abortion went viral and encouraged women to talk openly about their experiences of having had pregnancy terminations to help eliminate like the taboo of talking about subjects like that. And in 2019, Alabama voted to ban virtually all abortions and to establish criminal penalties of up to 99 years in prison for doctors who perform them. And this definitely made feminists mad, and they went out into the streets to protest. And a lot, like women of all colors and all sexualities, protested that. But... Um, I don't know if, like, many people realize that laws like that affect um, women of color at a much higher rate. As fourth wave feminists, we would like to say that the rules and regulations against abortions and women's rights 
when it has to do with their body and their sexuality has gotten better and improved but really it just brought a lot of awareness to the topic instead of improvement to the topic recently minnesota actually passed a law that states if the woman was intoxicated before or during her rape allegation then it cannot be defined as rape and anybody who has drank alcohol or been under the influence knows that the mind becomes blurred and that kind of stuff so we're still working to pass rights and bring awareness to the woman's body and let abortions leave the political manner so to consent means that you are agreeing to engage in some kind of sexual activity but if you are not in the right mind state or under the influence of alcohol or drugs you can't technically consent and that's why this law should not be passed or the bill should not be made into a law because it's just wrong and we should be teaching like everyone that just because you're under the influence it's not an excuse for someone to like assault you or take advantage of you yeah if there was recently a thing going on tiktok that made april 24th national rape day and so many college like boy students were making a joke about it and making tiktoks about it too while like me and my four female roommates were like sitting at home telling each other maybe we shouldn't go out that day like Maybe we should take alcohol in our own cups that day. Like, just specific things like that that we shouldn't even have to do. Yeah. It's just wrong that we even have to worry about those kinds of things. And we're always taught to be aware of our surroundings. And, like, that's the reality of things. But it it shouldn't be that way. And everyone should just be taught to respect each other no Not, matter yeah. the circumstances. Yeah, everybody needs to take what the situation or the scenario is into mind before they act upon it and that's just something we learn from a child is to do something is to don't do something that you're not 100% okay with or 100% sure about or something that will get you in trouble at the end of the day and I don't think that is engraved into so many men's head enough like it should be so to kind of switch gears a little bit we want to talk about donald trump and his effect on feminism um so following donald trump's inauguration on january 20th in 2017 a lot of protest movements had formed all over the world um the first year of the 45th presidency was when more americans took to the streets in protest than during any other time in u.s history the global turnout reached somewhere around 10 and 15 million protesters. It seems that the hope and encouragement among liberals and feminists that grew in the course of the presidency of the first black president of the United States of America was kind of smashed and defeated by Trump's success during the 2016 elections. And I think especially him being elected, I don't know if he... I don't remember if he said it before or after he was elected or when it came out, but his famous grab him by the pussy quote um, is just so incredibly disrespectful to women and the fact that he was our president and the leader of our country was kind of just 
a slap in the face to women everywhere. I feel like his election and his term and all the tea that was brought up with it brought so much attention to how fucked up the government system is and the government in general when it comes to a woman's body, how women should be treated, and how women should be viewed. And it also brought attention to so many political figures and high heads that have done such horrible things to women and that kind of thing. I've heard stories from U.S. military men talking about how their leaders or like the people above them in the army are okay with them going and taking advantage of girls that they find in different foreign countries and that kind of thing. Like sex trafficking is not just a problem um, in different countries. It's a problem in America too. And it's a problem that America is feeding into and feeding women into and just making it sound like it's not a, a huge deal when so many women and even children are being affected by it. And his presidency did nothing but kind of bring women empowerment down a little bit instead of making it feel like wow we have a president that wants females to have the same rights as men and he's a white man that means something he did the complete opposite instead so as you guys know by now and listening to our other couple podcasts you are aware that feminist and feminism and women rights are still in the making still um, in progress of being justified and that kind of thing so we just want to thank you guys for listening and for giving us a few moments of your time and we want to wrap up the podcast with a co- quote we found about feminism martha rampton is a professor of history and the director of the center for gender equity at pacific university and in her article about the four waves of feminism She states that some people who wish to ride this new fourth wave have trouble with the word feminism, not just because of its older connotations of radicalism, but because the word feels like it is underpinned by assumptions of a gender binary and an exclusionary subtext for women only. Many fourth wavers who are completely on board with the movement's tenets find the term feminism sticking in their crawls and worry that it is hard to get their message out with a label that raises hackles for a broader audience. Yet the word is winning the day. The generation now coming of age sees that we face serious problems because of the way society genders and is gendered, and we need a strong in-your-face word to combat those problems. Feminism no longer just refers to the struggles of women, it is, it is a clarion call for gender equity. Thanks for listening in to Pussy Power. I hope some of our feminism rubbed off on you.